It's time for Carolina Blitz, the freshest coverage of Carolina sports and entertainment. Hosted by founder and editor-in-chief, Vashti Hurt. She don't play games. She covers them. All right, you are tuned in to Carolina Blitz on ESPN 730 The Game. My name is Vashti Hurt. I am your host and founder and editor-in-chief of Carolina Blitz, a website of brand dedicated to finding fresh and compelling news stories in and outside of traditional sports reporting and sharing them with you, you guys, the listeners and the fans in a way that's entertaining and fun. So a little information about Carolina Blitz. We're a credentialed media outlet. We cover the Carolina Panthers. We cover Duke. We cover UNC. We cover NC State and more. So if you aren't already, please check us out at carolinablitz.com. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Carolina Blitz. So if this is your first time listening to our show on 730 The Game, uh, welcome. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, but if you if, if you don't know, we appreciate the fans. And the format of this show is a little different. So what we do is each week we invite a new fan of the teams that we cover. We enjoy and we encourage the passion and enthusiasm that comes with those who support their squads. So if you want to be a co-host on our show, our DMs are open. You can uh, hit us up at Keep Blitzen on Twitter. And we'll get you get you on the schedule to come and uh, chat with us on a Saturday morning show. This week, this week, I'm excited. We've been we've been rolling. We've had some great guests on this week. I have Kevin Avery in the studio. Uh, he's a lifelong fan and co-founder of the Four Man Rush. Uh, Kevin, thanks so much for being here with me. Sure. Thank you for having me. I've been a big fan of your work and um, followed the Carolina Blitz. So it's an honor to be uh, sharing the same place with you. Now, tell everybody a little bit about Four Man Rush. You guys have quite a following, dive into game tape. So just for those who don't know, tell them about the Four Man Rush. Sure. The Four Man Rush, it basically started out as a Facebook chat between four lifelong Panther fans. We basically got tired of the media not telling the complete story. You know, it's pretty much Cam with a towel over his head Mm. and some bad highlights. So it was like, you know, why don't we do something about that? So we got together. We did our research thoroughly. Uh, we decided to come up with a start off with just a Facebook page, and then it's like, "How we go do a podcast?" Then we went to a podcast, and we just expounded from there. Basically, what we do is uh, we do a detailed explanation, but we break it down to where basically anybody can understand. We do film breakdown. Uh, we show graph and designs of what was supposed to happen, what should have happened, what actually happened. So we just want our fans to be knowledgeable. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent about the Panthers, we just want to be credible, factual, and logical. Like that, like that. So tell everybody where they can find Four Man Rush. I know you mentioned Facebook, but but just give us details on that. Sure. Yeah. Well, definitely on the face uh, Facebook page. Just type in the the number Four Man Rush. Uh, we have our own website as well. That's up to come check us out. That's where you can get all of our content and detail. Uh, it's uh, the the number Four ManRush.com. Um, there you can get all of our YouTube content where we have our all 22 film breakdown of, uh, of players. Uh, you can also check out our Twitter page, which is jumping always. Um, our podcast. <laughs> Twitter, which... <laughs> Twitter always jumps. Okay. Do you manage the Twitter? Because I, I don't manage the Twitter. My other co-founder, Will Harris, who's okay. actually down in Miami, Florida, he, he, uh, he runs to Twitter. I run to Facebook. He runs to Twitter. Okay. Okay. Um, you also were able to participate in an ultimate fan experience with the Panthers. 
Can you just talk about that real quick? It seemed pretty dope. Like you got, you had your uh, cutout in the stands. Just tell everybody about that experience. Yeah, it was strange because I was actually tagged because uh, one of my co-founder partners, like, hey, man, you know, you've been going to every game since 2011. They got to keep the streak alive contest going. I'm like, okay. So I just, you know, put in my information because I had been to every single home game since the start of the 2011 season, including playoffs, made it 78 straight home wow. Panther games I had went to. I threw my name in the list. I was selected. I was contacted by the, the Panthers uh, PR staff. They stayed in contact with me, um, told me, you know, to come to the stadium for the Arizona game. And they was going to give me the royal treatment, which they did. Um, they gave me and my daughter a uh, ticket in Section 120, which is right behind the gold uh -huh. line. Uh, had my cardboard cutout sitting there waiting for me. Um, they gave me a free uh, McCaffrey jersey, $200 Visa gift card. Oh, they laced you. Oh, laced me, yes. A $50 credit with Lyft. And and they also mailed to me a, a, a Bud Light uh, cooler, the ones that cost about uh, $250. Wow. Yeah, so it was... Oh, I didn't. I, I I saw that, and I saw you tweet about it, but I didn't know they hooked you up like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, Hopefully. I'm jealous a little bit. <laughs> All right, guys, if you're just now tuning in, you are listening to Carolina Blitz Radio on ESPN 730 The Fan. Uh, we're talking to Kevin Avery of the Four Man Rush. We're going to get hop into our discussion. Now, Thursday night, the Panthers were in prime time. They came up short again losing to the Falcons 25-17 to 17. for the third week in a row. Teddy Bridgewater was given the ball at the end of the game uh, to possibly lead the offense on a game-tying or game-winning drive, and it didn't happen. So if, if you've been watching, this is what, this, is what occurred, this is what's occurred the last three weeks against the Bears. First and 10 from the Carolina 20, Panthers down seven points, with 1.32 on the clock, Bridgewater's pass to D.J. Moore is intercepted by Houston Carson. At the Carolina 25, Bears in victory formation, Panthers lose. Saints, last week against the Saints, third and 11 from the Saints 39. Bridgewater is sacked at the Saints 47. Loss of eight yards, it puts the uh, Panthers basically out of a manageable field goal range. Uh, we do know that Sly came in and attempted, I believe, like a 64, 65-yard field goal. Came close. No cookies. Bridge and victory for um, Breeze. I'm sorry. Breeze in victory formation. Thursday night, Falcons, Panthers, third and six from the Falcons, 30. Bridgewater's pass deep left, intended for DJ Moore, intercepted at the Atlanta 9. Matt Ryan in victory formation. Three games, three losses where Teddy Bridgewater has had the ball in his hands at the end of the game with an opportunity to tie or win. Now, you kind of defended Bridgewater in the past. Are the criticisms of him fair? Are you still defending him? Well, for me, to be completely honest, I would defend him to a certain extent mm -hmm. because, you know, when you look at those three games, what, what, what our fans don't – pay attention to is what we actually break down on film is the fact that the Carolina Panthers offensive line, the Carolina Panthers offensive line, they have an inability, particularly on their left side at left guard and left tackle to block a simple D tackle defensive end line stunt that teams have figured out and they are wearing our butts out. They start off with the defensive end lineup on outside of our left tackle. 
He makes a move, jumps inside the deep tackle, makes move, jumps to the outside, and Teddy Bridgewater is humming for his life. When you think back to the uh, Bears game, that's what happened to those back-to-back plays in the first series. Same stunt. Saints saw that. They did that about eight times during that game. Last night, the Falcons wore it out. I count at least 12 times they ran just a simple, uh, that same simple stunt. So the Panthers' offensive inability to block is really what kind of hinders Bridgewater from completing these passes. He was pressured on 62% of his 28 passes last night. Unbelievable. So, yeah, I get it. He had the ball in his hand and things like that. But when you don't have a pocket to step up or you're thrown off the back foot because you are just trying to make a play, at the end of the day, it's going to show up on his stat seat, but it's not all his fault. It's not all his fault, but you're putting it off on the offensive line. In that first game against Atlanta, they did not give up a sack, right? They played pretty well up until that point. They have been dealing with injuries. As a side note, Okung has been kind of here and there with that. Uh, but they've had guys, you know, you have this next up, next man up mentality. I, I get that he's been pressured, but some of those decisions you just can't make. Like that, uh, the, the Falcons sack. I mean, even Coach Rule said you cannot take that sack. Now, whether he would be able to get the ball out of bounds and do an intentional grounding or not, like, either way, you cannot take that sack. Oh, Thursday night, I mean, there was some pressure, but you threw to, what, Curtis Samuel, and he was triple covered. Yeah, on that one, that was just, I, hey, like I said, it was just, it was just a definitely bad play at the, at the worst possible time. Um, like I said, I'm not totally absolving Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. I'm just showing the cumulative effect that leads up to it. For example, our left tackle, even though Akun was out, Greg Little was benched. Matt Rue said yeah, that today because he was giving up constant pressure. I was listening to that uh, on my way up here. Matt Rue talk about that. Yeah, uh, we got a, a undrafted free agent journeyman um, from Grambling, um, Trenton Scott, mm-hmm. that filled in for him. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you you expect your quarterback to find a way to make a play. He didn't, and the Panthers lost. So is the game manager title fair? When you look at all the systems, all these quarterbacks are managing the game. It just comes down to, in my in my opinion, it just comes down to, you know, are you making the right play at the right time? Fantasy football got a lot of fans' expectations unrealistic. Tom Brady has made a complete career out of doing check downs That's and true. short passes. But, you know, fans want to see the big, deep 30, 40-yard pass pace, and I get that. But as long as those chains are moving, that's, that's what you want to see. A quarterback's money is made on third down and in the red zone. Um, and with the game on the line. And with the game on and the that, line. That's my issue right there. <laughs> like, yeah, third down, end zone. But I, and when you're a quarterback, mm-hmm. I need you to, with the game on the line, show up at least once I mean Teddy been uh, he's he's been wetting the bed every week pressure or no pressure like you know I get the pressure I get that but stars franchise quarterbacks they make plays I mean it, it it's just is what it is and I think that you know I think that putting it on the offensive line somewhat takes the onus off of Teddy and Teddy is the guy he's the quarterback 
He call you know, he, he looks at the defenses, he reads the defenses, he changes up, you know, call an audible if you see something on the defense. Like to me, three back to back tough uh game winning drives and you throw an interception on two of them and you get sacked on another, like the offensive line has not been that good, but Teddy bears a lot of that responsibility also. Yeah, I will, I, will, I will put it about a 50-50 split because when you think about it, Teddy Bridgewater is currently top five in passing, and he's like top two or three in per completion percentage, So, which is unheard of around here for Carolina Panther quarterbacks. Oh, are we being shady? No. Just are we being shady, Kevin? No, no shade. Ooh. No shade. I'm calling a spade a spade. That's Kevin is do. taking shots at Mr. Newton. No, come on now. It's not Ooh. taking no shots. You know, find a lie. That's what I would challenge anybody to do. Uh, oh, find <laughs> find the lie. Okay, so we're so you're saying that at Teddy Bridgewater is is his completion percentages are you know we're going to give him credit for that as opposed to what historically has been in Carolina. I would like to get a, give credit to that because when you think about it, whenever missed opportunities, shout out to Coach Rivera for. Um, getting through his cancer treatment, you know, that was his saying. But when you have those missed opportunities, you look back at it, you know, the fact that footworks and fundamentals were, were not consistent. And at least with Teddy Bridgewater, we're seeing that a whole lot more consistently. Yeah, but he he, he can't win the game with the game on the line. Like, the team, I'll, the take, I'll, take, the game. I'll take a <laughs> – I get that. I'll take a quarterback okay. who's – whose completion percentage is lower, I'll take – I'll let him slide if I have a quarterback with the game on the line and I know he's going to be able to go out there and make a play to win the game. I mean, the numbers are cool. And I always say men lie, women lie, numbers don't. So the completion percentage is is a nice stat. But, I mean, it, 0-3 is also a nice uh, – is, is also a stat, right? Oh, yeah, it's definitely a stat. I mean, you are what your record says you are. And that's what Rule said today. I mean, they were, you know, I think sometimes people try to, sometimes, and I'm in the media also, but sometimes the media members try to give these coaches an out. Oh, you know, you guys are you guys are exceeding expectations, you know. Nah, Rule said today, and I respect him for that. It wasn't it wasn't no rah-rah. It was, we are what our record says we are. We're, you know, we're a losing team right now, and there are opportunities to get better. You know, there have been some injuries. He did say that he hopes that Christian McCaffrey is able to come back. But you got a tough, tough schedule coming up. And this was the game out of these next, you know, four games that the Panthers had the best chance of winning, and they didn't. So switching gears to the defense, mm -hmm. uh, they've had their struggles. Um, but all in all, you know, they came into this year, many thought that uh, – that the Panthers would be one of the worst teams in the NFL. Um, defensively, they're young. Offensively, they have weapons with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, would you say that, and not just defensively, but offensively also, would you say that the Panthers have exceeded expectations? I would say yes, they have exceeded expectations. When you look at the Panthers, when the, before the season started, I said, if with five minutes left, as if it's a one-score game, I can handle that. that. Means my team has competed. They have fought. They have scratched. They have put themselves in a position to where they can affect the outcome of the game, even if they lose. Even if they lose, because this is year one of a rebuilding project. For me, wins and losses 
even though I loved to win as a fan, it wasn't significant for me. What I wanted to see was this team going to play hard, mm -hmm. where they're going to play fast, and where they're going to compete. And that's what I'm seeing. All of our losses have been decided in the final few minutes of every game. Yeah. On the flip side, you know, mm -hmm. if you if you're if you if you've been following this, some 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 Panthers are new to this, right? But if you true to this, the cardiac cats is like a lifestyle. You know, this is this is this is how if you if you follow the Panthers or you've been a Panthers fan, like this is the life that you live. You know, fourth quarter, last play, you try to make something work. So this is something that you used to. At what point do we say, okay, you're past rebuilding these fourth quarter drives or these being in the game is not good enough? For me, mm -hmm. I've already charged 2020 to the game as okay. far as that because you think about it with this whole COVID thing, you know, no OTAs, no training camp, new coach, new staff, 60% roster turnover. Basically, this is the third month that the coaches have known these guys like till really what beginning of August when was able to get started. I get that other franchises have done that. When mm -hmm. we look at the teams that's doing well right now, um, they already had an established um, relationship with their coaching philosophy and things that they want to do. Um, you know, we're just kind of being put together on the fly. At the end of the day, end of the day, it does come down to wins and losses, but. Um, in 2021, that's when that excuse is not going to fly for me personally okay. as a fan. All right. I just want to see them just compete, play hard, and just grow. Am I seeing growth, you know, on a week-by-week -week basis? Like Rue say, we just want to get 1% better each day. Yeah, and, and to be fair to the Panthers, like, the teams that they lost to have not been chopped liver. I mean, you got the Raiders who have exceeded expectations. Mm -hmm. uh, you have the Bucks who, you know, were were already crowned, you know, Super Bowl champs before the season even started. You have the Bears who have played well. The Saints who were basically favored along with the Bucks to kind of compete for the NFC South. And then the only egg that they laid, I would say, would be the Falcons last night where they were supposed to beat, you know, the Falcons on one and six team. They finally come to, to Carolina and then the Falcons. I mean, you got Matt Ryan scrambling for touchdowns. Like, I mean, come on. And Matt Ryan is 45 years old. He should not be able to scramble for a touchdown. I think, what was it, like 14 yards? Yeah, it was 13 yards. You realize that we lost the last two games because these two old statue quarterbacks had rushing touchdowns, Drew Brees. I mean. And Matt Ryan. So who, who, who bears that responsibility? Because there is a young defense, but, I mean, you know. These are red zone. It wasn't like they scrambling fifty yards. Right. You're you're within the red zone. You should be able to contain forty five year old legs. Yeah, you should. But what you're seeing is a team that's not maintaining gap discipline. And I get that you're not game. I'm not sure they're spending mm. much time worrying about Matt Ryan running out the pocket. Right. I'm, I'm I would be pretty sure of that. Right. But if you maintain your gap and your assignment, I got to call him out. Call a spade a spade. Troy Pride. God bless his heart. I know he's a local kid from South Carolina. You going to hate on the South Carolina kids. No, no, but I, we got to call it like it is. He's been on skates. Like, how many times? Did you see the bear crawl on Thursday night? <sighs> yes. <laughs> you know, watching Troy Pride play makes me think of DMS. Hey, yo, I'm slipping. I'm falling. I can't oh, get up. Like, Lord. he's really. Yeah, he's young, though. He's young. He's no Jeremy Chin, but he's still young. He, I don't think he that. He slips when it's dry. Oh, <laughs> Come on now. You know what? <laughs> Kevin is not Kevin. I I Kevin. Okay, <laughs> I give you that. I give you that. Troy Troy Pride. I think he'll step in. I'm I'm rooting I'm for him. I'm not giving up on him though. Yeah, I was gonna he's say fourth round. 
We knew he was probably he has the intangibles. Like Ruth said, if you're gonna miss, miss with speed. Yeah. Dude runs four three. I think he's just so scared of getting burnt that he's not relying on his instincts to make plays. He be there, but then just something just Well, maybe something will click, you know. Some oftentimes with those rookies, sometimes some things some things click, but um yeah, deep, I personally I think that all and both offensively and defensively the game uh, the Panthers can do a bit better, but I expect more from the offense than the defense yes. because of the pieces and the talent and and the veterans that they have on that squad. So, all right, guys, if you are just now tuning in or if you've been listening, you are tuned in to Carolina Blitz Radio on ESPN seven thirty. The fan, uh, we are rolling. If you've listened to our show, we're now headed to our Blitz or Block segment. So Blitz or Block is kind of like a rapid fire. I'm going to pose a question to Kevin. He'll have to take a side, either Blitz or Block, and then we'll just give a little discussion to it. All right. In the third quarter of Thursday night's loss to the Falcons, Jeremy Chin says Coach Rule called off the fake punt, but he saw a short edge in the coverage and decided to go for it anyway. On the play, he gained 28 yards in the first down. Uh, the Panthers uh, were actually in set to punt on fourth and nine from their own 32. Um, blitz or block to Jeremy Chin going against Matt Rule? Blitz. Only because he made it? Only because he executed it? I like what I like his explanation after. He said that during the week they saw, um, shout out to Chase Blackburn, the special team coach, they were able to pick up tendencies and he saw that opening, and, you know, when trying to get momentum back, I like that call. As a rookie, though, I'm thinking, I l- big cojones by, by Jeremy Huge. Chen. Big cojones. And I like as a, that as a rookie, he had the confidence to say, all right, this coverage, and uh, Matt Rule talked about it. I actually asked him about that because I'm going to write a story about it, but Matt Rule said that, they um, were in uh, – initially, they called a timeout, and initially they were in a prevent punt defense, and then they went to a punt block, and I guess Jeremy saw that change, and he made he made the change on the fly. I don't know, though, as a rookie, if you should be taking those liberties. He he converted, but that's, that's, that's tough. Rule did not really go into detail about – whether he will give Chin the green light to do that in the in the future. He said he hadn't talked to him about it yet. But uh, the fact that he's going to talk to him about it, I think that really I'm going to say blitz only because he converted it. But if he didn't convert it, then that's a problem. And Jeremy Chin is going to have to be smart enough. And I think that he is. And he's already proven that he's talented enough mm-hmm. to be able to make that play work. And one thing, one thing about Tahir Whitehead said earlier in the week. 52? Who? 52? Yeah, oh, we don't mention my name? I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> he said, as a rookie, Jeremy Tone sets the tone. He set, Jeremy Chen sets the tone for this defense. Yeah. So I, I, I see that as leadership in the making. You know, if you got a chance to, to, to stymie and grab momentum back, and based on your film study, you know, you, you, you had that confidence to make that call. I like that. I like that's, that, too. That's been sorely lacking. I, I like that, too. Jeremy Chin, from what he's shown, and then also congratulations to him because uh, he was named this week uh, Defensive Rookie of the Month for uh, October. Yep. 
So he's been playing lights out. He's been a, a great pickup for, for the Panthers. And I know you guys are rough on Marty Herney. Uh, and then you say that he falls off after the first round. But, I mean, Chin is, is looking to be a, a very good pick, pick for them. All right. <laughs> the Tar Heels, they dropped one spot in the AP Top 25 poll this week from 14 to 15, despite beating top 25-ranked NC State handedly last Saturday. Who took the 14th spot? Oregon, Pac-12 team who hasn't played a game yet. Blitz or block? The Tar Heels are the most disrespected football team in the ACC. I'm going to say block. Okay. <laughs> And I'm gonna say that as a Tar Heel fan, um, my reasoning for that, I think we're still dealing with the ramifications of that meltdown in Tallahassee. Hmm. That, listen, one of my other co-founders, uh, Larry from he lives in Atlanta. Uh, he's a diehard Florida State fan. Me and him go at it in the chat constantly. He, FSU, we y'all champions at Tar Heels, blah blah blah. But so. You know, to be number five, I think we smelt ourselves and we got our you-know-what's handed to us, and rightfully so. And I just think that we're not disrespected. Uh, I just think that we need to, with the talent we got, we need to show better. Even though we're winning, and even though it's the, quote, return of the Matt with Matt Brown, per se, with him coming back, um, I don't feel like it was disrespectful. You, you're, you're, you're new. You got to show that consistency. So... I took. I I don't see it as disrespect. That's mad disrespectful. I'm shocked that you're <laughs> saying that that's not disrespectful. That is mad disrespectful. I mean, you have a Tar Heel team with you know Sam Howe, who has you know been uh, mentioned in Heisman mm -hmm. uh, Heisman candidate uh, mentioned among Heisman as a potential Heisman candidate. You have all of those offensive weapons. You have arguably the best running back duo in college football. Uh, and they beat a top 25 team. And you drop them one spot to an Oregon team who hasn't even played a game? A Pac-12 Oregon team? Man, I don't know how much more disrespectful you can get than that. Honestly. I mean, honestly. And I understand they lost to Florida State and they laid that egg, but they didn't get blown out by Florida State. They lost 28-31. to 31. They had a chance at the end of the game, and they just couldn't pull it out. That first half was completely a, a throwaway time for them. But they bounced back, beat NC State handedly, 48-21. to 21. I mean, the score looks even better than what it was. If you watched on the field, they beat Virginia Tech. Like, and... You drop them up. You drop them a spot. Here's my theory. Uh, I forgot who they, but Florida State got handled the following week after they played. Um, yeah, because they got up for UNC. Right. They were number five. So that that that's that's why I said it's more of a shot of UNC. Like you lost to a team that you that barely struggled to beat Jacksonville State, and and um, <laughs> yeah. And it was. I just think they look at like and I have Florida State had got on the road to be like, okay, UNC lost to a a team that's, you know, turning around. But, you know, they got pretty much spanked and smoked uh, by FSU. And by them getting blown out the next week after that, yeah, I get it. They got up. But 
that just shows more of how a disappointment that loss was to Florida. Yeah, come on, man. This and is, that hurts me this is Florida State, thing. though. We're not talking about Boston College. Like, <laughs> and this is no knock on Boston College because they have a nice squad. But um, And I like what their first-year coach is doing there. They have a good quarterback. But we're talking about Florida State. We're talking about a bunch of Florida boys who, who are fast and competitive. And UNC said the whole time that their record is better than what they're showing, you know, I don't know. I just I just think that's disrespectful. One last one real quick. Okay. Uh, blitz are blocked. The Clemson Tigers can win without Trevor Lawrence. If you're new to this, Trevor Lawrence came has been uh, tested positive for COVID-19. They're set to uh, – he'll be out at least for Boston College, but they're also set to play Notre Dame in uh, next week. Can they win without Trevor Lawrence? You guys in both games or just the next one? Uh, Both games. Without block, block, real quick. Why? Uh, they have enough talent with a backup quarterback to, I think, beat Boston College, but Notre Dame. That's, that's a tough one. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, isn't isn't that one at Notre Dame as well? Yeah. Oh yeah. Now at Clemson, I may have went blitz with it, but at Notre Dame, you know, Mother Nature's starting to do her thing. Backup quarterback, you know, that mystique, that whole aurora of where you're at, you know, and Notre Dame is not a joke. I uh, I, I can't see them winning both games. I can see them winning Boston College, but yeah. not uh, not at Notre Dame. I agree. I'm going to block that also. Trevor Lawrence has proven to be the the catalyst to all of these wins. They, they have a great running back, but Trevor Lawrence makes all that stuff run. At Notre Dame, they're going to smell blood in the water. I see. I, I, I just can't see that. But I also think that Dabo and Clemson are shysty enough to finagle a way to get Trevor Lawrence to play in that game. All right. Thanks again to Kevin Avery, he of the four-man rush, for uh, joining us today. You've been listening to Carolina Blitz, the radio show on ESPN 730.